Join us each week as Andrew, Ray, and others bring us in on one of their weekly phone conversations with an amazing agent. This is Little Oak Weekly. Hey everyone, it's Tony Joe from the Prime Real Estate Team at Remax Island Properties in Victoria. It was my pleasure being on the Remax Little Oak podcast with the one and only Ray Yancana a couple of weeks ago. And I thought I'd return the favor and have Ray speak over here in Victoria. Because you know what? Every once in a while, uh, the most wise of dudes also needs to be interviewed. So that's what we're doing here today. And, uh, and we're turning the tables now. Instead of Ray being the interviewer, I'm going to do that. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff, talking about the business and the market, being a realtor. Uh, also, maybe a little bit about government intervention and things like uh, the blind bidding process and how the uh, federal candidates for election all want that to go away. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, and it's good to turn the tables, as it were. Uh, Ray, thanks for joining me today. And uh, hopefully uh, our listeners today are going to get a lot out of our conversation. My pleasure. Now, today's topical matter is, of course, we've got an election coming up. The federal government, um, our prime minister, uh, announced a snap election a little while ago. And, of course, everyone today is talking about the issues at hand, not the least of which is housing, housing affordability, and a number of other issues. And the big one is this whole idea of blind bidding because, you know, and I know we've been talking about this on this program a lot in the past few months, multiple offers, bidding wars, all that kind of stuff. Uh, change is uh, in play or according to the candidates who want the job of being your prime minister. Ray, how are things over there on the lower mainland? Well, Tony, things are uh, busy. Uh, I mean, we probably had a bit of a summer slowdown because uh, people, realtors, were needing a break. We've been going pretty hard all spring. And uh, I mean, the economy, well, the kind of the economy in our offices were kind of shut down for, you know, for COVID. But uh, we pretty much were wide open again. Uh, sometime in the spring and we've been going strong all summer but like I say people needed a break and people needed a holiday and they couldn't hardly go anywhere so uh, (laughs) and the other thing about slow down is um, I would say the market slowed down only because we have a little inventory it's like if you have a store and your shelves are half empty are your sales going to be low Mm -hmm. the answer is yes Mm -hmm. so uh, you know part of the slowdown was simply because we don't have a lot of inventory well, you know, and we've been talking about this. You're, you're, I, I'm 100% with you. I, I do truly believe that the sales numbers, the number of sales would be a lot higher if there was inventory to sell. The demand is there, right? The demand is definitely here. And um, uh, e- even though prices are increasing, people make, uh, and we can talk about that in a bit, I'm sure, but uh, people make adjustments and they go, well, I can't, you know, I can't buy this. I'll have to buy this, or I can't buy here. I'll have to buy there. Mm-hmm. You know, because all you have to do to change the pricing is move away from the major center, move out of the ma- any major center, and prices will come down accordingly. And this on is your what travel. This is what we've seen here. You know, people moving from outside of the CRD, the Victoria area, going north. You know, going to uh, the Cowichan Valley, going to Nanaimo, going to um, uh, Courtney Comox. All of those things. You know, it's just the same, uh, I guess. Right? You guys, because you so you have offices in. 
Burnaby, uh, Surrey, Abbotsford, Mission, and Langley, right? Did I get that right? That's correct. You got it right. We're Did just actually in the process of, we're just in the process of shutting our Burnaby office because we were going to, we were going to do a more, a little bit more of an expansion in the Fraser Valley and our, our Burnaby office was numbers were low and, um, mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's our plan. I mean, of course, but all the new stuff coming down the pike, you know, it's going to, we, we may, we may be modifying our plan somewhat. Yeah. Well, I've been to your Burnaby office many times. You have, uh, you have how many agents now in your, in your operation? We have about 200 agents in, in, a, in four locations. Okay. So that's big because in Victoria here, we have very few offices, only really three uh, offices in Victoria that have anything uh, close to that size, right? Most offices are small and you've got a, a multi-office operation there. Well, I have good managers in place. Uh, our general manager is a man by the name of David Rochelle. And he's well known in the real estate industry. He's a former president of the uh, Fraser Valley Real Estate Board Association, and uh, we we have an, an award called the John John Armino Award. David's a winner of that. But our other manager is a lady by the name of Natalie Tarrant, and Natalie is probably one of the most knowledgeable. Both they both are. We have some very knowledgeable managing brokers mm. that help run the operation. And you know what? I'm glad you brought that up because I want to talk about that with you uh, during our uh, show here today, the importance and the role of a managing broker. Because uh, like I said uh, to our listeners at the very start here, we want to open up the curtain here and give you an idea about you know how, how real estate functions. And it, it's just dawned on me as well, too, that we haven't even talked about this whole federal government blind bidding situation here. We're not going to have time on this segment here. So we'll talk about that after our, uh, our first break here. So you know it's causing me to adjust my schedule a little bit. But I, I want to talk a little bit about you, uh, First Ray. You have been licensed now. I, I think it's like, are you 38 years? I just am in my, I just finished 36 years. 36 years. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you got in the business in Fort St. John, right? Fort, beautiful downtown Fort St. John. I have been there. I have been there. <laughs> yes. Fort St. John and Dawson Creek, right? Um, and, but originally, uh, tell our listeners where, where, where home was, where, where, where did you arrive on, on the planet here? Uh, I, I arrived on the planet on a little island called Aruba, yeah. just off the coast of Venezuela. In yeah. the, it, it's kind of like one of the one of the, the most southern uh, West Indian islands. But at an early age, probably about two years old, my parents moved back, moved to the coast, uh, which was to uh, the the country, the the continent of South America, and they moved to a country called Guyana, where they had grown up, and um, they they had family reasons, had some Ill illness, and my my I had an older sister who was ill and not well. She eventually passed away, but they moved back to be close to family. And next thing you know, I started going to school there, and uh, you know, eleven years passed, and in my eleventh year, just before my twelfth birthday, my mom said, "I'm taking you to London, England." Mm -hmm. So I went to London, England. I started high school, did two years of high school, moved back to Guyana for about a year, and then came to Canada when I was uh, about 15 years old. And, and, I, and why, why Fort St. John? Well, hang on. I, I was in Montreal. Oh, okay. I was in Montreal. I came to Canada, went to Montreal, and finished high school, went to college, got married to the lovely Patsy. You've probably seen her on my Facebook page. Oh, I you know, know Patsy. Of course. You yeah. know her. Yeah. You know her. She's sitting right next to me, but yeah. um, 
we're in a truck here doing this <laughs> call, uh, this call. But okay. uh, six years living in Montreal. The this was back in the seventies. Were you born then, Tony? Like, I was like, indeed. Yes, I'm a child of the sixties. Yes, yeah. Okay, so yeah. anyway, you know, things we had this. We had a lot of issues in Montreal at the time with uh, language and politics. And we decided, we, we knew people were moving out west and we thought we'll move out west and we end up in Fort St. John because there was work there. You didn't get into real estate. Well, Tony, when, though, you're, right? when you're in your 20s, you have no idea where real opportunity is. It just was an opening to get, uh, to come out west Yep. And check it out, which I love. The well, West. you did. What's it that? wasn't the weather because Fort St. John isn't exactly West Coast weather, right? No, no, it wasn't the weather. We, we, yeah. uh, but the weather wasn't much different than Montreal, maybe a little harsher than Montreal in the wintertime. Yeah. But anyway, I started, I, I worked there, built houses, and got into real estate in 1985 and never turned back from real estate, never turned back. And then, you know, uh, after doing hundreds, thousands of deals up in Fort St. John. I got, I was getting a little time for a change. Mm -hmm. And in the late nineties, I ended up coming to, coming to Abbotsford, buying a real estate office with a partner. Mm -hmm. And then we proceeded to grow that for the last 21 years into five locations. Yeah. I think it's important for people to know, and especially our, our, our listeners who are realtors, we have a lot of realtors that, that listen here, you know, you were not a uh, occasional realtor, like in, uh, I, I know the story, up in Fort St. John, like you were having, you were doing 100 transactions in a year, if not more, right? You're a busy guy. One man, my, one man. My army. average over 15 years was 100. My first year I did 50 and then I just kept growing it. Yeah. And um, I didn't, I really didn't have a mentor other than the tapes. So my mentors yeah. and my coaches were always what was available through the real estate boards library, you know, the Floyd Wickman's and the Zig Ziglar's and Jim Rohn and, and all, uh, all, all those great guys that uh, help you with your mindset and with developing the right kind of skills and communication skills. That, that. And, and again, just talking about sheer numbers, you know, uh, listeners need to know like the, the statistical average, I don't know what it is in the, at the Fraser Valley real estate board, but in Victoria, it's something like, you know, because we have 1400 agents and we know how many sales happen. On average, realtors will sell, I think it's 6.8 properties per year, right? So for somebody who's doing 100, like that's a lot. Now, mind you, you're- Well, we have a brokerage. You know, what I did back then is um, obviously I'm not selling full-time anymore because most of my time is spent helping agents develop their business. But yeah, I mean, uh, in, a, in our area, the average is like uh, three and a half to five um, matter of fact, matter of fact, we pulled some numbers the other day in our, in our, in the lower mainland is about 18 and a half thousand realtors. Mm -hmm. The, the 5,000 of them haven't done a deal in 12 months. And the median number of transactions is two. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. and if you took the whole group of them and said, what was their average number of transactions in a year? It's about three and a half. Yeah. Well, and, 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 you know, sometimes I, I know, I mean, uh, it, let's face it. Agents get paid handsomely for, for, for what they do. They have an important job to do, right? They, they do things that other people cannot do, but sometimes, you know, uh, consumers can go, you know, you guys, you know, you, you make so much money, but to know that the average is three and a half or 6.8 sales in a year, when you do the math without factoring in the expenses, because it costs money to get there as well too, licensing dues, education, training, uh, you know, marketing costs, advertising costs, you know, all of those things, uh, you know, it's, it's a struggle for many, right? Not the least of which is that group that you said that have done none in the past 12 months. It's, it's a struggle, but you know, probably the biggest thing is, um, 
most people that come into the business, they're coming from a job. And, the, the, and not all everybody, but most of them are coming from a job. And in a job, uh, you get paid for time. So you put in your eight hours, your whatever your time is, and you get paid for it. And to learn how to switch that thinking to, to change, to become the kind of person who gets paid, who begins to realize I get paid for what I put into the hour. Mm-hmm. So I put nothing into the hour, chances are I'm not going to get paid. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, um, I think a lot of new agents struggle because they don't have a mentor. They don't have a training program. They don't have somebody, an accountability partner. They don't have a coach. Mm-hmm. They don't have anybody to help them through that type of thing. And as a result, um, they're kind of stumbling around trying to figure it out on their own. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it can be a very, you know, it can be a very lonely job. Uh, you know, pe- people should know it, it is, uh, uh, it is not really, it's not structured as a team kind of operation. You know, agents typically are out there. They're, they're rogue. They're, they're on their own. I mean, it's nice people like you and I, we've got large networks. We have friends, we have, you know, but it's taken time to, build those connections and to build those things. Right. Um, but, but otherwise in general, I'd say it's a pretty lonely career, right? Well, actually that is the job of a real estate agent. Nobody tells them that when they start, the job is you've got to go build a network. You've got to build a book of business. You've got to find, uh, you've got to take the people, you know, and turn as many of them as you can into advocates and you know bragging how good you are and then you build on that and over time i like to say to people you know what when you have 350 thereabouts people who when somebody says real estate they they say they say tony's your guy you you get about 350 people in your marketplace saying that you probably have built yourself a bit of a business but there's a back end to that business. And a lot of people don't realize I got to build a back end. I've got to build a stay in touch system. Mm-hmm. I've got to have marketing. I've got to have ways of reaching the public uh, all around me. In the back in the day when I was doing 150 transactions in a year, I, I used to always measure how many um, prospecting systems I had in place. And there was times, many, many years, I was, I was running between seven and nine different prospecting systems to bring in those leads. Well, and, and again, you know, for, for many people forget about the fact that it is a business. You know, we, both you and I have been instructors for our, um, uh, for our regulator, right? Um, and, Correct. you know, we bump into all these people that are interested in the business. They're like, oh, I want to get in the business, you know, because I, I, it looks great. And, you know, I watch HGTV or, or whatever without really realizing that it is a business. And, you know, everyone knows that this, the failure rate actually is high in real estate because it's not as easy as, as people might think it is, right? It's not like it's a simple matter of, you know, selling a house every once in a while and, you know, being able to drive around in your Rolls Royce or whatever it is, uh, you know, it's, it's well, not it's, like that. I think, I think we were talking once about, you know, a lot of people get in the business and in some of our classes, people will say, why did you get in the business? And they'll say, well, I really like houses. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I always have to chuckle when they say that because really what you really want to like in this business is people. Yes. You know, obviously houses, you know, are a major part of our business, but then, you know, some of us are doing commercial real estate. There's so many things you can do in real estate. I mean, I, I, in my first two and a half years, all I did was leasing, mm-hmm. leasing and property management. And then I switched to sales. Yeah. I, there's so many different disciplines in the industry, which, which it really is what, what makes it interesting. Right. Correct. 
Yeah, yeah. So we're talking with Ray Ancana. Ray is the is a principal at Remax Little Oak in uh, the Lower Mainland. Uh, also a very busy agent, a coach, trainer, educator, a recruiter, uh, a fantastic fellow to be talking uh, with. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about uh, the operation, just look up Remax Little Oak. Uh, and if you're if you happen to be listening in the Lower Mainland, make sure you look uh, Ray up. But Ray is one of these people um, who you know we're going to have him at our brokerage in the next little bit, uh, expanding or, or or providing his expertise and his knowledge uh, to help our realtors because uh, just like you said a moment ago, training, coaching, education—it's ongoing. Right. You don't just get your license and be successful forever. It requires a lot of constant. Uh, you know, there's a lot of changes that happen in the marketplace and there's so much to know. Right. Right. Well, the marketplace is always changing. The industry, it seems, is always changing. There is always certain basics. I mean, the basics are people need a place to live. We try to help them with that and uh, we can make a good living doing it. But uh, technology ch changes the game. Uh, the government tries to get in and change the game all over the, all the time. Oh, wow. There we, now, how about that for a segue? And I promise, listeners, uh, we are going to talk about this blind bidding situation with Ray. The government, of course, we've got a snap election. We have all of the uh, candidates talking about housing affordability and how Canadians need to have better access to housing and affordable housing. And of course, the biggest thing that has been discussed is this whole matter of blind bidding. So where we begin, uh, Ray, let's talk about this. Let's talk about blind, uh, blind bidding. Well, you know, uh, let's start off by saying that uh, I think Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. <laughs> so somebody isn't going to come up with a new idea. They're just going to have a modification of one that already exists. So bidding on buying a piece of real estate, a home, is practiced almost exclusively in certain countries. Australia, Australia. New Zealand. Yes. Yeah. I've been to it. I've been to Australia. I've been to a bid. I've been to an auction, more than one. And, um, you know, if, you, if you've been to one and saw what happens, you see, sometimes people think, okay, there's a half a dozen people on the front lawn bidding. And there's an auctioneer. Usually the auctioneer is either the listing agent or a, a third person that comes an in auctioneer. to do the auctioneering for the, for the, for the listing agent. Yeah. The buyers are standing in the yard and they're, they're communicating with their buyer's agent, you know, and they, the buyer's agent and the, the, the buyer makes, makes the bid. And there comes to a certain, there comes a point. Now, the only thing they're bidding on is price. So all of a sudden, it's sold to the highest bidder. Mm -hmm. But it's not like a car auction. It's not like uh, a fundraising auction. This is real estate. So what happens is the winning bidder's buyer uh, presents the the offer to the listing agent who takes it inside the house and sits with the seller mm -hmm. and everybody waits. Mm -hmm. Nobody leaves because even though the auctioneer might've slammed the hammer and said sold, mm -hmm. everybody knows it's not sold. Mm -hmm. The seller still got to accept it. The seller has to accept it. And I've actually seen it. I've been to a few of them where the, where the listing agent comes back out and says, might have might, maybe has a little chat with the, with the buyer's agent that was successful and says, look, uh, we like your price, but you've got some conditions in here. Oh, conditions. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, because the guy standing there bidding, 
he doesn't have all the money necessarily. He needs a mortgage. There's a few things about the property he's unsure about, so he'd like to have it inspected. Mm-hmm. And of course, the seller wants to, you know, so the, the buyer's got some legitimate uh, conditions in his offer, legitimate, 100% legitimate, two, three, four conditions, right? Mm-hmm. Things they should have. And the, the, the seller, of course, he wants, he's under the impression that actually we're going to have a sale here. Mm-hmm. But so there is that, you know, that psyche in the seller. And turns out that when they finally get something accepted, whether it's with that buyer or the next buyer, I ask myself, how was that different? How was that much different than what we do? Mm-hmm. Well, of course, the, but the argument is that uh, with blind bidding, since none of the parties know what the offers are, that the gap can be, you know, there might be two that are list price, two that are 5,000 over list. And then the winning one is $100,000 over list. So then, you know, the seller loves that. I mean, hey, yay for the seller, right? But don't we have that now? Like if, well, if you, you know, have this a is, listing and yeah. I bring an offer and you say, yes. Ray, you're in multiple offers. I'm yes. the, I don't know what the other buyers, agents and yes. the buyers are doing. And I, my, 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 my buyer doesn't know that either. So we, we go in with our highest or best offer. Yeah. But, but this, is, this is the point because the, the point is that if it was an auction process like Australia or New Zealand or other areas, at least if I'm bidding, I know you know what what the other guys are bidding. So my choice is I want okay, I'll pay another five hundred or five thousand or something like that. But I don't need to go a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand. So that's the point because that's what the government is thinking. They're thinking, well, let's stop that. Let's you know, it's just an incremental thing. So let's have people win over a thousand dollars and not over a hundred thousand dollars. That's the that's the point. Now, the the thing is. There's two sides to every real estate transaction, right? Then the sellers love what they've been experiencing here in North America. The buyers hate it because it sucks to be stuck in this situation, right? But isn't it funny how humans, human beings, they adjust their attitude based on their role because that buyer ultimately becomes a seller and that's what they want, right? Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be interesting to see, um, yeah, it, it's, it, how this plays out. Because it, it, when you're the buyer, absolutely, it'd be nice to know we're going up. Yeah. But on the other hand, prices and everything. Yes, good point. Good point. Yeah, it's more than that. There's conditions. There's terms. There's dates. There's all these other things, right? Correct. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I I, I have we have an Australian agent uh, in our Duncan office. I've talked with him at, at length about this. Um, you know, I've read posts from uh, other uh, Aussies because that's the comparison. Like they always bring up Australia and how things are done in Australia. And it's interesting because they too say that their system is not perfect. It's not ideal, right? So, you know, here we are. We've got governments or candidates who are saying, well, let's look at this better idea, but it's not necessarily better, right? It's a different idea. And, and, and actually in the lower mainland, we have a, I think we have one brokerage that tries to practice uh, uh, bidding mm-hmm. and they're an Australian brokers. They opened here in, in Vancouver uh, maybe three years ago. Correct. Yeah. Well, and, and our, our agent in Duncan, that's where he was at. He came from that brokerage. I, I know the one that you're, that you're talking about, right? But you know, yeah. it's, it's interesting because it's all market driven. Like in, in your 36 years, my 30 years, we've always seen some sort of, uh, uh, you know, um, some sort of variation 
on this whole auctioning thing, but it never seems to hold, it never seems to take root here in Western Canada or Canada in general, right? Well, the interesting thing about it not taking root is the fact that um, in Australia, most of the time, the weather is friendly. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. In our country, we have a few months of the year where the weather is friendly. And some people would say in some parts of the country, most of the time it's winter and we have a few months of poor sledding. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, but listen, you know, that people will try to figure out a way. Maybe it's going to be like bidding by Zoom or something like that or whatever. You know, we've got all this new technology that we'll be using. Who, who knows, right? But the, the, the interesting thing is it, it, the government, the government, the candidates for government haven't really addressed the real problem because the bidding process is not the problem, is it? it this, this is actually a good point where we would get the listeners to call in and tell, tell us what they think the problem is. <laughs> yes. Because you and I are both licensees and we're just, we're wired to just try and get the job done. And if we're working for the seller, we're yeah. trying to get him the highest price. If we're working for the buyer, we're trying to get him the lowest possible price. Or in some cases, all we're trying to do is help the buyer get the property. Which is today. Yes. Yeah. Just, we're just, just trying to, to help them get the property. Yeah. And so we we typically say to our buyer, you know, you you've got to do do as good as you want to do on this particular home. And if you don't get it, we'll have to go on to the next one. Mm. Well, hey, and that's where we get somebody saying, Well, I'll pay a thousand a hundred over or I'll pay fifty over and see how and that's as much as I'll pay for that house. That's what it's worth to me. You know, as often happens in politics is that things are identified that sound good. And of course, from an election platform uh, uh, standpoint, hmm, you know, maybe it might get some votes, but what's the real problem, right? What is the true issue and problem that needs to be so addressed if affordability- How, how about this? Let's start, let's start with some basic things like um, in, in, our, in, in Canada, who would have thought that you, could, you would have trouble walking into a store and buying a washing machine? Yeah, you just walk in. And, yeah, yeah. You know, who would have thought that? Okay. Hey, if somebody well, hold, said that a few years ago, you would laugh at him. You say, "What are you talking about? We got, we, we don't have any problem with any of these things." Well, hold on, Ray. Um, I think my listeners know. I my fridge came in last month in July, and I paid for it in September. Exactly. Right. Yes. So if you, we have had some situations with, uh, with the pandemic, and let's start with that, where manufacturing facilities around the world not just in Canada, we're shut down. Mm -hmm. And then to fire those things back up again and get them going, it takes, it does take some time. So as a result, um, we have a shortage of supply of a lot of things and even some things that go into a house. Yeah. So let's add another thing. We have had our government and governments around the world printing money and people are sitting at home in our country for sure, collecting money. Uh, ask a lot of small businesses who have signs hung up, help wanted. Yes. The help don't want to come to work because they're getting paid from the government. Sooner or later, you have to pay the piper. And as a result of printing money, it's an old economics formula. You, print a, you put a bunch of printed money into the economy, it's going to cause inflation. And if there's a shortage of goods and serve goods, if there's a shortage of goods, what you have for sale will go up in price. Yeah. I've seen it with trucks. Supply and demand. And I've seen it with other items. It just, uh, so people say, well, what's going on with the housing market? Well, we don't have enough inventory. 
the builders are going to, it's going to cost them more to bring a house on today, this year, than it did a, a year and a half, two years ago, because they're paying more for lumber. And likewise, they're paying more for, for, for uh, labor as well. Mm -hmm. So we have a shortage. We're going to have a shortage for a long time. I, I don't know how many years, but it's going to take a little bit of time to dig ourselves out of this. It's not going to, yeah, the, the, it's, it's not going to pivot on a dime. Like this is, right. this is something that's, that's going to be uh, like this for a while. Right. A absolutely. So, you know, uh, we're talking about all these problems that exist. So it the question remains, I mean, what's it going to take for consumers to be able to enjoy a little more affordability in the real estate market? Well, in the short term, I'm, I'm going to say this in the short term. Uh, I don't think we can look for a lot of uh, relief for affordability short term. Mm -hmm. And the reason is, is because there's no uh, there's no uh, boom of building it, like there isn't enough units be in the pipeline that they'll come out in six months to a year. There just isn't. Mm -hmm. and, and what we're finding is that people are having to readjust their thinking. If you were thinking single family. Maybe you're going to readjust your thinking to th townhouses. And if you're thinking townhouses, you're going to adjust your thinking to condos. People are also having to readjust their thinking relative to location. Well, I was born and raised in this beautiful city. Well, I want to own my own place. I want my kids to have a backyard or something like that. Well, in order to afford that, I just, I just did this last night. I just helped a person go through their qualification process with the numbers and, uh, I said to them, they're downtown, and they were hoping to buy a single-family home with a suite. And we did. We, we talked about the numbers, and when we when we were finished, I said, "Well, with numbers like that, we can get you something in Chilliwack or in Hope." Yeah. <laughs> well, what is that now? That's an hour and a hour and a half out, right? Yeah, that would be an hour and fifteen minutes. If you were in Chilliwack, you're about an hour and fifteen minutes from downtown. I remember Chilliwack was because I had a cousin who lived in Chilliwack, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, that's so far!" But it it truly is. A, it's a it's a, uh, a bedroom community now, isn't it? Exactly. So, I, I remember uh, on Marketplace or News, some, somebody was doing a calculation all across Canada, and they came up with these percentages that basically the further away you were from the center of the city, the less your housing was, but the more your driving was. Yes. And so people, you know, people opt for, well, I, I come home to my castle. If I have to drive two hours a day, to get to my castle, it, it is what it is. I'll do it. Mm -hmm. Not everybody, but not everybody. Yeah, but some people. Yeah. See, we don't we don't have that on the island here, right? Because all these people that are coming from the GTA, you know, they they're going from Toronto and they're moving to Barrie or to Guelph or to Oshawa or you know all the, you know. So it's a little bit more of a drive. There's a lot more selection. Let's face it. There's a lot more choices, right? Um, here on the island, and in many respects, the lower mainland as well too, there isn't a lot of uh, option, right? So the only way is to is to change location. That's why we're getting a lot more people buying up in Mill Bay, Cobble Hill, even Duncan, right? That's why the Duncan market, the Couchin market, is is crazy. It's never been this busy before, and, and it's because people are willing to do that commute. Because if you come from Toronto and you're used to one and a half or two hours at the best of times. Then going from you know doing the Trans Canada Highway on the Malahat down is not a big deal, right? You you know there might be a few people waiting for the prices to come down this winter, but by and large, I think people realize that uh, we we've made a shift in the marketplace and prices. Yeah, there might be some slight 
adjustments in every marketplace uh, in the future. But right now, if you if you can find what you can find, uh, you're going to jump on it and get it. And that's why that's what people are doing. So, you know, affordability, you know, you talked a moment ago about tools for affordability. Well, in actuality, we've had the tool for affordability over the course of the past 18 months, and that's the low interest rates, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's good. It's a good thing that with the, the rise in prices, interest rates haven't gone that direction. I think the banks know. Mm -hmm. I mean, the banks are in the business. Their business is lending money. The only thing the banks are good at is lending money. That's, that's their job. Don't let them do too many other things for you, but lending money is their job and they're, they're, they've got it at a very affordable rate. So even though the prices are high, however, for a lot of buyers these days, you still have to have a cash injection. Yeah. And so maybe you're going to the bank of mom and dad, or maybe you're, the down you know, I, I, yeah. I hear people, a few people talking about how they're living frugally to save up their money. Maybe in the past, many people did that. Today, it's only a few, but I heard some young people the other day talking about, you know, we're, we're saving, saving, saving. So we have a good size down payment. They know yeah. they got to put money into it. Well, oh, but hold on. You see, there's another report that I read is that because of the pandemic and over the course of the first 12 months or whatever it was during COVID and people weren't spending money, they weren't going out for their coffee every day. They actually have been saving in ways that they've never saved before. So again, that's the reason why a lot of people have in their minds, hey, now it's time to buy a house or to buy another house because I socked away all this money that I would not otherwise have had, right? And again, that's the competition out there in the marketplace, just in case people are wondering why are there so many people making offers? Here are some of the people, right? The best, the best hedge on inflation is always real estate. Yes. Yeah. It seems like, seems like we're in the right business, right? Right. Well, people are always going to need real estate. They're always going to need people to help them. You know, it's not, real estate isn't going to be bought online. Like some people suggest, mm -hmm. uh, they're going to need people that have been in the business that can advise them, that can help them negotiate the best price, uh, that type of thing. And for you and I, who've been in the business, if you, if you want to get in the business, you better learn to market and negotiate your license. Isn't going to do it all by itself. Yeah. Well, and speak, speaking of negotiation, so, you know, we're sort of going back to having a conversation about, you know, that the behind the curtain in real estate, as it were, that, you know, if people are wondering why are, why are we paying the realtor, you know, to put a sign on the lawn and then things are selling in like three days. And, you know, you know, one of the things that, that um, maybe doesn't, isn't clear to many is the skills that are needed to negotiating and not only negotiation, but also being able to read the scenario and to make sure that everything uh, goes to the best interest of their client, whether it's a buyer or a seller. You know, the one that I always love is, you know, there's, there's that book, Don't Split the Difference. You know, everyone thinks it's like, all right, well, let's, let's negotiate this way because presumably they're just going to split the difference so we'll meet in the middle. That is not, that, I mean, that's very elementary negotiation, right? Well, um, you know, we're, we're talking about splitting the difference and why wouldn't you just do it yourself? Would you, would, if I told you that a lady in our area, I know, I know of this situation, she recently sold her home for 500,000 less than she should have got for the home. 500. 500,000. Cause she decided she didn't need a realtor. Uh. And she probably saved herself maybe 15 grand in commission, uh -huh. but she didn't use the realtor. So, one of the things about using a realtor 
is a realtor is able with the systems we have. Like if I list something and you have a client in Victoria that's looking for something in our area, you'll know about it minutes after I list it because of our system all across Canada. Mm -hmm. You'll know about it. If she lists her home all by herself, the only people that know about it, the people that saw her sign are her ad on Kijiji. And she made a deal in the first two or three days with somebody. Her neighbor opted to not save the 15 grand in commission, listed with a realtor, same house, same age, sold for $500,000 more. $500,000 is a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you you know what? A lot of retirees rely on the the, the sale of their home uh, to live in lovely retirement communities at a cost of, you know, six, eight, ten thousand dollars a month. How many months is five hundred thousand dollars? Right. You know, Tony, I, I always told people over the years, if you can sell the home for the same price I can sell it for yeah. and solve all the problems that I solve in the process of getting the offer and completing the deal. Well, of course, do it yourself. Yeah, of course, do it yourself. Why well, pay me? You? Yeah. It, unfortunately, it's like it'd be like me trying to fix my car if i grab a set of tools to fix my car i'm i just throw i'm gonna throw a bunch of money away well everyone you know uh obviously ray and i could talk for hours but there's only so much time in the day and i'm sure you know unless you're driving to calgary you probably don't want to listen to us for five hours in a row so we are we're going to end our conversation today uh ray i think we got to pick up this conversation you know and let's pick a topic and maybe we can make this a regular thing how about that love to my friend you just let me know when (laughs) and how about this guys listen if if you've got something that you want to hear more about you want to learn more about uh reach out to us because you know ray's got the contacts he knows people i know some as well too and uh, maybe together we can bring some really cool stuff onto the podcast here right right that's a yes he's waving uh anyways everyone thanks for listening we'll uh we'll talk to you soon